Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Booming Basketball Channel podcast, YouTube, Instagram, whatever you want to call it. We're back. I'm Nate here with Danny as per usual. Say hello. hello. You're allowed to speak. What's up, guys? So, obviously, as we all know right now, it's the NBA Finals. That's what most people are talking about. We're going to get more into the offseason stuff after this, but right now I think everyone's focused. All basketball fans that are actually real basketball fans focus, at least, because I know some dumb people on Twitter like to talk about how boring this NBA Finals is or whatever, which I, I don't agree with at all, personally. But I don't think it's boring. Yeah, so right now... They think, it, they think it's boring because Jimmy's not putting up 40. That's why they think it's boring. Well, yeah, and it's, it's not a battle of superstars as we're used to seeing it in years past. So it's yeah. been a little bit of a different vibe. I guess maybe not for the casual NBA fan. But, again, I like to cater more towards the hardcore NBA fan because that's what I consider myself to fall into when it comes to groups of fans. Word. Yeah, same. Bro, I kind of – tell me how you feel about the finals, though. Like, do you like the matchup? And I want your prediction. I mean, I, I think the, the Heat aren't a pretty team to watch. But if you like basketball and – like legitimate just mastermind coaching. I mean, Eric Spolstra is as good of an example of that as you're going to see in the league today. I mean, Greg Popovich obviously still as great as he is. His team isn't exactly in the position to be doing that. But if you want to go and watch A1 coaching and see how much coaching matters in sports and basketball in general, this is this a A1 example of that because obviously I think as 99% of people would agree with, the Heat aren't here without Eric Spolstra, and his in his game planning is pretty much just next to none at, at this point of time. It's ridiculous that he hasn't won a Coach of the Year. Yeah, and I think that just goes to show how meaningless the Coach of the Year award is. <laughs> but let's go. They all get they all get fired. Yeah, other than Tom Thibodeau is the only one who's outlasted the the other coaches of the year the past like five or six whatever it was. But this video obviously not point of the coach of the year is not the point so we're going to jump into the nba finals and take a look at game two which just happened the other day obviously the heat were able to upset the denver nuggets in game two most people very surprised i think i was pretty surprised myself especially just how it came down to the wire the nuggets started off the game very very hot and they tapered off from three and the heat shot 49 percent from three themselves but before doing a deep dive in Game 2, we should probably look at Game 1 and how things changed around from Game 1 in particularly. And the thing I wanted to talk about first was how Jokic absolutely picked apart with his passing in Game 1, uh, the zone defense that the Miami Heat have been running all playoffs, and it, it was not really working. You can't play a zone defense, I don't think, completely, at least for the whole game against a team as talented as these Nuggets roster is uh, offensively and how unselfish all of them are. Guys are constantly in motion. Jokic is able to find the weak spots in the zone so easily because of his elite all-time great level uh, facilitating and court vision. So clearly the Heat saw something in that game one and realized they had to switch things up defensively, which again just goes to show how great of a coach Spolstra is, and they ran some more man-on-man looks, inserting Kevin Love into the starting lineup to get more of a size advantage and get Jimmy Butler off of Aaron Gordon, who was absolutely terrific in Game 1. Yeah, so in Game 1, the problem for Miami, so as Jokic was picking their zone defense apart, they were their shooters were struggling, and I mean struggling. Max Struess was 0 for 10, everyone knows that, 0 for 9 from 3. 
most people saw that. Duncan Robinson didn't play well either, one for six, over for five from three. Caleb Martin, who's been pretty solid all playoffs, was insanely good last series, had two points and was one for seven. I mean, and Bam is taking 25 shots instead of Jimmy, which, I mean, Bam played well, but I yeah, don't, I don't wanna... feel like the Heat offense should really, like, facilitate around Bam. I feel like it flows way better around Jimmy because Bam is a great passer, but I don't think that he's on Jimmy's level. I feel like Jimmy kind of sets up his teammates really well. I really think that I don't want to hate on Bam too much, but like 26 points on 25 shots is not ideal. Like it's good, it's solid efficiency, but in today's era with the three point shoot, he only attempted one three, and Bam's not going to ever be a guy that takes more than maybe a three in a game. So you don't want your number one source of offense to be a guy who's coming and taking twos every possession, especially when this Nuggets team is very, very capable from beyond the arc. Coming into the finals, they were only second in three point percentage in the playoffs. To none other than the Miami Heat, who were first in Game 1. It did not look like they had any uh, remembrance of how to shoot the ball as well as they had been. Shit. But then Game 2, they came alive, shot 49% from 3, which is no joke. And it's something that's really hard to stop if you're this Nuggets team, as good as they can be defensively. Their main focus is their offense. And Michael Porter Jr. was a complete non-factor offensively and defensively in Game 2. And he is one of the biggest x factors i think for this nuggets team when his shot is falling uh it's a really good thing for the nuggets because he is one of the better shooters in the league and he's 6'10 it's hard to guard that but he also passes the ball once in a blue moon yeah he averages one assist per game on his career dude it's pretty terrible yeah he wasn't good in game two but he also wasn't good in game one either what he shoots i think it was two for 11 in game one and i mean that was the only I think that was the only downside that I really had down for the Nuggets because Jamal Murray played great. He scored and facilitated Jokic as well with a triple-double. That's the new Mr. Triple-Double. Yeah, I mean, for Porter, he shot under 30 or 32% from the field in both games, so he really hasn't come along yet so far. Caleb Martin, luckily being not good either, has kind of canceled that out. So two of the biggest playoff risers, really, for... Uh, Miami and Denver have kind of been non-factors essentially almost negatives to their teams now uh, in in the NBA Finals a lot of series left to be played obviously now it's 1-1 the series kind of starts over almost like it's 0-0 again except for Miami now has home court advantage but Boston was able to also go into Miami and get some wins themselves so I don't know how great of an advantage that is compared to Denver's home court but Obviously, they were knocked off and lost their first home game of the playoffs in Game 2. So you got to kind of wonder where the home court advantage really lies or has an effect on this series, or if it does. I don't know if you think it does. I think, yeah, I do think it does, like, very much. I think, bro, you hear players... I, I feel like more players have talked about it recently because it's been... I don't really know why I feel like players have talked about it more recently, but the alti- the elevation difference... Crazy, yeah, it's like uh, it's it's mile high. So you're playing at a mile high versus Miami, who which is six feet above sea level. So they're they're playing to a huge disadvantage when they're in Denver. But luckily for them, in between games, they stayed in Denver, so they got used to it and they won game two. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's all about that getting acclimated to it. Obviously, yeah. the Lakers weren't able to get acclimated to it. Phoenix took two <laughs> games. 
Minnesota certainly couldn't. Um, it just gets to a point of I, I don't know if it, it really matters. I think it's just these two teams are very good, and they're going to come out play really good basketball no matter where they play. Two very close games so far, um, other than the first one. I mean, the first one kind of got closer towards the end. The Heat kind of went on a little bit of a run, even though Denver's starters weren't completely out. Like, Jokic was in the fourth quarter, and Miami started to make some shots. So I think that momentum kind of almost built into the next game, and Miami was started to able started to find their shot a little bit more and looked like the Heat team that we've seen for this 2023 playoffs. Right, and the thing that I love about both of these teams is that like, I don't know, they are teams. Like, they play together, both of them. It's it's great to see them it, both it's in the good basket. It's good for the sport of basketball. So if you don't like this NBA Finals because it's not necessarily – it's not a highlight reel. It isn't. That's not what it is. It, you're not going to go on highlight or has a highlights bleacher report and see as many plays or posts about superstars that you want to hear about as much. Hence why I think Jimmy's been so rode by the media throughout this playoffs because they're begging for a star on a contending team to market and Jokic too. Jokic is obviously as great as he is. Uh, Kendrick Perkins actually actually said something about it today where he's not marketed nearly enough. And I think that's true. He's one of the best players in the sport that we've seen in the past 10, 20 years. And why is that funny? Because Kendrick Perkins Kendrick just, has no, he just has no room to talk. dude. No. Oh, I know because like, he's completely doing a 180 about when the whole race debate, when he was saying that people were voting for, Jokic over Giannis because he was white. But um anyways, Jokic is one of the best players in the sport. No. Yeah, like yes, he's arguably yes. the best player in the sport right now. I think a lot of people, including myself, I'd say he's the best player in the sport right now, other than maybe you can only argue Giannis really, in my opinion. But I'd put Jokic as the best player in the sport right now. And a lot of the casual NBA fans don't even care because he's not flashy and he's not even though I think Jokic can be flashy a lot of the times, like the passes he's making are insane. It's just that he's not showboating. He's not celebrating like it's no tomorrow. He's just all he's about He's manipulating winning. defenders with his eyes and his head. It's just basketball. Shit. He's a pure basketball player. And I love it because I, I described it, it's basketball porn. Nikola Jokic to me is basketball porn. <laughs> he does all the right things. He is humble as can be. He's all about his family after the games and whatnot. He just cares about winning. In the post-game pressers, they're talking about after game one about how great he was, the 14 assists, this and that. All he talks about are his teammates. I haven't once heard himself speak highly of him, of himself, which is kind of ridiculous. I think he should maybe be even a little less humble for as great as he is. But it's very Dirk-esque in that manner where it's just it's strictly basketball. And I think that's just also why we're seeing so many Europeans now dominate the game because they learn to play the right way compared to American culture, which a lot now has been kind of, you know, tampered with, with the highlight culture and the just um, – the flashy plays that all the little kids want to see and all these kids growing up want to do the three point. I'm not blaming Steph Curry for that, but just the revolutionary that he was in the game, making it so three point and deep shooting, um, uh, revolving around that kind of, kind of game that all these kids wanted to emulate. And then you have these guys like Nikola Jokic, Luka, Giannis, um, just these players that play the right way. And, Jokic, to me, is the epitome of the perfect basketball player in the modern era, and I, I think this Nuggets team is going to bounce back, and they're going to win in about six games is probably my prediction. Yeah, that, that's what I still have. That was both of our predictions before the finals. Um, 
one more thing that I want to touch up on in game one. Only 23 fouls called. That That's pretty low. That's like a team's av- That's like one team's average. And also another thing that I want to touch up on. The Heat shot two free throws. The entire game. Yeah, that's interesting stat you can definitely talk about. Um, there was a lot of banter about the refs on Twitter last night, to say the least. Yeah, there was. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just I don't know what happened to the refs. Like, I, it was always bad. It was never great. It's taken another level this year, especially the playoffs. It's been inexcusable. It makes no sense. The teams and, are so clearly given an advantage in one way or, the, or another. I mean, Miami did a great job fighting through that. And honestly, if you look at the box score, it's really confusing to see how Denver lost this game, especially with Jokic go, uh, dropping 41, which is also now they are 0-3 with Jokic dropping 40 so far uh, in the playoffs. That's not good. Usually when your play, best player is scoring 40-plus, you're probably winning the game, but it just hasn't been the case for the Nuggets. But I also want to put the rumors – or. Uh, just the rumbling of the Nuggets being better when Jokic doesn't score. It's like, no, the rest of the Nuggets didn't really step up. It was kind of he did what he could. He turned the ball over a little bit more than he should have, but he took the shots that they were giving to him. It's just the way that this Miami defense has changed. They're going to try to let Jokic now beat them by himself, and he's not always – he's comfortable doing it, but he's not as comfortable as he is doing it with his passing. Right. Jamal Murray didn't really play amazing in game two. So that could be a part of the reason why they lost. I mean, he distributed the ball pretty well. He had 10 assists. Same as game one. He had 10 assists in game one as well. You know, Murray obviously taking the role as more of the playmaker last night, and then Jokic not – or last night as of when this is being recorded, uh, probably two nights ago as of when it comes out. But Murray just kind of switched roles with Jokic almost, and Murray became kind of the backseat facilitator, and Jokic was the go-to scorer. This was only the third time this entire season, including the playoffs, first time in the playoffs that he's had more turnovers than assists in a game for Jokic. Uh, five yeah. five turnovers, only four assists. Four, four assists. assists for Jokic is seemingly like nothing. Jokic is just – it's weird to see him have four assists and, only, and five turnovers. He, not to say he was careless with the ball. He just played a very different style than we're used to seeing him do day in and day out. And the fact that he's only had three games all season – including the playoffs now where he had uh, more turnovers than assists is pretty impeccable. And that just goes to show you how smart and careful of a basketball player he is. It is pretty ridiculous. If you want to go over to the heat in game two. So people, people on Twitter were kind of like slandering jammy. Slandering jammy. Who's jammy. Jammy Butler. People on Twitter, right. uh, Spamming Jimmy. Damn. Spamming People. Jimmy Butler. So we're slamming Jimmy, now we're spamming Jimmy. What are we doing to Jimmy or Bimmy or whatever his name is? There was a lot of people that were bashing Jimmy on Twitter about his shooting numbers. He shot 7 for 19 last night. But late in the game when it mattered, he had a few massive stops, and he had a clutch at one pretty late in the fourth quarter. And he defended Jamal Murray on the final possession, the missed three-pointer. And he played pretty great defense on that. So... I just want to let people know that it is not all about shooting numbers. No, yeah, and it's really not. He was I think people as much as Jimmy's performance offensively, it's been disappointing. I think it's just true. It has been disappointing really for the most part since the Milwaukee series. He had a uh, one or two good really good games against New York. He had one really good game against Boston. 
And it just hasn't been the same Jimmy we saw, and we're all calling playoff Jimmy and Michael Jordan's long-lost son or whatever. It just kind of hasn't been that. And I don't think that's necessarily terrible because the Heat role players have been so good in their roles stepping up, especially Duncan Robinson, who was absolutely fantastic uh, in Game 2. But Jimmy's also not just a scorer. He's an all-NBA caliber defender and one of the best defenders in the association and hustle play guys as well. He's a superstar who's not afraid to put his body on the line on the defensive side of the court, which you don't see that often in today's league. And he was guarding Porter for a lot of the game with uh, Kevin Love coming into that starting lineup, guarding Aaron Gordon. They moved Jimmy Butler down. He was guarding Porter a lot, who has height on him. Porter has a few inches on Butler, and he still did a very good job on him. So making one of the best shooters and scorers on the Nuggets team essentially a non-factor can't be – you can't not – acknowledge and appreciate that from your superstar another guy who i want to go over to gabe vincent your boy i gaby baby i guess yo i said that he is going to be the caleb martin of this series so he's going to be the greatest basketball player of all time basically that is what i'm saying yeah also another thing that i want to touch on duncan robinson and max Struess both played Pretty hard, no, yeah, hard in game one. And then they both stepped it up in game two. Max Struess kind of set the tempo early in the first quarter. He had three threes, three of his four threes that he made in the first quarter. And then Duncan Robinson came up clutch last night with 10 fourth quarter points. Yeah, Max Struess was terrible in game one and just flipped a complete switch. He he sold too. They had the Nuggets were kind of blowing the lead late in the game and they had some chances to get some momentum. And Duncan Robinson and Max Struess just forgot where the basketball was. They turned into Helen Keller for a little bit there. And um, so th- that was a bit of an unfortunate event for the Heat. But then, again, they they flipped the switch, and they were two of the best players, if not the Heat's two best players uh, in game two. And Duncan Robinson, he hasn't even just been a shooter um, really in the playoffs. He's kind of changed his game a bit. He was a spot-up shooter, obviously. Everyone knew him for being one of the best three-point shooters in the league. He got that contract. His numbers fell off. And then he had another year this year trying to redeem himself. Still didn't shoot quite as well. But now in the playoffs, he's been driving the ball a lot. And he's shooting the ball better from three to start for starters, which is what he gets paid money to do. But he's also been driving the ball. And his relocation has been great, uh, which has been freeing up a lot of movement for the Heat. And just swinging the ball consistently has made the Heat's offense a lot better. Because that's why they shoot so good from three in the playoffs is because of how open looks they get, not because they're hitting a ton, a ton of tough shots. Even though they hit some tough shots, they get a lot of open looks by the way that their offense just flows and having guys that are constantly willing to move off the ball, whether it be Vincent, Robinson, uh, or uh, Max Struess, and they all do it very well. It's just Robinson did it particularly well, especially in that fourth quarter, which created, I think, some momentum for them, their offense, and they got comfortable running some similar looks over and over again against the Denver defense. That was kind of shot at that point of the game. Before we wrap things up, we're going to do a little bit of a preview of the Game 3, which is obviously coming up. Big, big game going down to Miami. If Denver's able to take this one, I feel very confident about their chances in the series. If Miami does take Game or the game 3, their first one at home, I don't know. It's definitely making me shiver in my in my boots a little bit about my Denver pick. Makes it makes it interesting. What, what's your pick tomorrow, Nate? Who, who do you think's got it? I just Denver has yet to lose back-to-back games in the playoffs so far, 
So I just I think it's going to be really really tough for a team to knock off Denver right now, especially two games in a row. Even with this Heat team being as resilient and tough as they are, I think Denver's too talented. They barely lost this game despite getting outshot from three by a good percentage. I I think that Mike Malone is going to come back with adjustments and Denver's going to be able to steal a game in Miami for the first one at least because I'm not sure if they'll take both in Miami. But I feel confident about them going back to Denver at least 2-2. Listen, the reason why it makes me think a little bit is because I know that we talk about the Nuggets home court advantage, but that Miami crowd, I, oh, it's, it's just, overrated. It, I hate it. It, I know, but bro, it turns the players up. It does, but it doesn't. They all show up late to the games. They leave half the Miami crowd. People go to Heat games because it's something to do. They don't actually go there. Half of them don't go there because they actually enjoy the Miami Heat. If you look yeah, in the are, crowd, half of it's white IG bitches on their phone, just yeah, scrolling. Are, are are they spending seven hundred dollars on finals tickets? Yes, because Jesus. they they're Instagram thoughts and they have OnlyFans money to blow on them. I don't know. Me personally, I don't think the Miami home crowd is that big of a. I mean. It's not a small deal, and I know they have loyal fan, loyal fans, according to uh, tickets and, and heat culture and whatnot. It's just like they left early in a game set or a game six of the finals or whatever it was. The Ray Allen shot, with them leaving yeah, before yeah. that, it, it forever leaves a stain in my or a stain, a stain in my underwear. I was meant to say a bad <laughs> taste in my mouth, but we're gonna go with this leaves a stain in my underwear. So. Yeah, it's I don't know. Obviously, that doesn't say everything about a fan base forever, but I think that Denver definitely has. If they can win in Denver, I don't think there's any reason they can't win in Miami. I'm not saying that, obviously, being home is something they're used to. They're used to playing in Denver, and it's a disadvantage for the other teams. But Denver hasn't had a problem really winning on the road in the postseason so far either. I don't think it's going to be that difficult for them to come in here, make the adjustments, and get a win in Game 3, which I think they will end up doing. I personally have the Heat winning Game 3 at least. I think that the Nuggets will probably – I think that the Nuggets will probably steal one from the Heat in Miami only only because there's just – if they do lose two in a row, I just, there's just no way that they're losing three in a row. So are you saying this is the Heat series to lose now? I mean, I think it's it's fair yeah. now that they have home court. Yeah. I just wouldn't say it personally, but, but I get where you'd come from if you were to think that. It kind of is what I'm saying, and Jimmy has to step it up offensively. I think shooting. I think that's the biggest thing is the Heat can win the series now easily. I think it's a lot of this is up to Jimmy closing it out. He has to be better offensively and be their closer because I think that's the one thing they've kind of lacked is that guy to go toe for toe to toe. Uh, with shot selection down the down the stretch, they've luckily had their uh, role players step up big in those moments, time they and time again in the playoffs. Though. Huh? Their role players need to stay consistent. Though. Yeah, that's the problem. Is I don't know right now. Denver is by up and away the best team in the league right now. I think even if Miami wins this, it's not because they're talent on paper right now. I think results and talent wise, Denver has been the team to beat. They're certainly better than any team that the Heat have played so far. And I just I don't know if these role players are consistently going to be able to do it against a team as good as Denver because I just think that they're going to figure it out and I think Mike Malone is a super super underrated coach. Mike Malone will figure it out. I I mean, it it was more of like their Miami's role players not just not shooting the ball well in game one, 
than it was like defensively mm-hmm. for Mike Malone. But I mean, after after game two, he needs to make his proper adjustments because the role players started to uh, catch fire a little bit, and you cannot have that happen with Miami because no. once one role player catches fire. That crowd gets going. You cannot let that. We already saw what happened with New York, Boston, Milwaukee. It's it's kind of wraps yeah. with that. And yeah. I will agree the momentum in Miami. That crowd does get into it, and it is it's not the easiest place to play. I'm not making it out to be like that. It's just I don't think it's as big of a home court advantage as somewhere like Boston or New York or Denver for that matter. And the thing is, like Miami has so many role players that can turn it up. You know what I mean? Like, like Cody Zeller. <laughs> sure, but. Now, like, Max Strews could go out and put up 20. Duncan Robinson can go yeah. out and put up 15 and drop five threes. Like, Gabe Vincent, you see what he's doing. Caleb yep. Martin, you see what he did last night. No, for sure. It, like, and even when Jimmy and Bam are having bad nights, if two or three of those guys steps up, I, Miami has a good shot to win any game against any team. Yep. And that's kind of just what any Spolstra team is, is going to have. And I think – this season is just a lesson, too. You can't doubt Pat Riley. You just can't do it. There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Pat Riley knows what he's doing. and It's really crazy. He's man. one of the greatest basketball minds I've ever seen, and Spolstra it's working crazy. under him is kind of unfair. But What number of finals is this? I for, dog, I don't know. With the Lakers, Knicks, and... For Pat Riley? Eat. Jesus, bro. It's like... He coached, I think like, he, the Showtime I think Lakers been, he was part of. He's been in 25% of NBA finals. The Oh, you saw that? Yeah. Damn. And there's been, what, 76 or something like that? My brain is not functioning at that level right now that I can just pull that out of the top of my head. Well, so. I just thought, like, NBA 75th anniversary was, like, last Oh, it year. was. Yeah, so this is – yeah, maybe something like, so something like that. So 25% of 76. Y'all figure that out. That's, like – I don't even know. I don't want 20. I mean, yeah, he's with the Showtime Lakers. Then he was with the 90s Knicks who almost won a championship. He went to a few with them. And then – to Miami Heat for however long it's just he's it's been, been to a like great eighteen championships, bro. He's been to like eighteen championships. That's it's incredible. It's and ridiculous. If you haven't watched Showtime on HBO Max, if you have that, it's great insight about Pat Riley. He's not obviously the main focus of the show, but he is in that. It's pretty cool. Just wanted to say that for any basketball fans that like documentary comedy style things, it's it's documentary, but it's also played by other actors. You've probably all seen and know about it. I'm probably. It's, there's no point in me talking about this but anyways that's gonna wrap it up for this episode and we'll be back with more coverage once game three happens thank you guys all for tuning in follow the instagram tiktok twitter subscribe to this youtube channel and we will have clips out on all forms of social media and they'll be in the link in the description so as always thank you guys so much for tuning in i've been nate this is danny peace out guys